it's Tuesday, September 7th, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I'm your host, Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, uh, and I'm here to introduce the latest episode of the Talk Film Society podcast, in case you didn't know. This is episode 91 of the podcast, and my guest this week is Harrison Brockwell. They are the co-host of the podcast Dream a Little Deeper, and also the co-host of the podcast Going Helms Deep, both of which are on the Talk Film Society Network, and they are here to talk about their top 25 films of all time. Yes, it's another episode where I talk with a guest about their personal top 25 list. Um, uh, If you missed previous episodes, go back and check them out. Um, uh, this is part of our TFS 100, uh, campaign, our series, uh, go to talkfilmsociety.com slash TFS 100, TFS 100 right now to check out, uh, the, uh, the ballot, fill out that, uh, tell us your top 25 of all time, um, and we'll count up all the ballots and, and uh, reveal the top 100 films of all time, according to us. Um, and to you, everybody, everybody who voted, we will add them all up and we'll tell you uh, soon, soon enough. But yes, this was a great talk. Uh, of course, I, I love talking with uh, Harrison. Um, I just released the episode they were on uh, with me and Marcus um, uh, on the Have a Nice Apocalypse a podcast series so this week you get a double dose of harrison uh, i recommend you check that out check that podcast series out have a nice apocalypse where me and marcus break down richard kelly's uh career and then break down the film southland tales over several episodes um harrison uh was the guest on the latest episode where we break down the second chapter of that movie um, very good listen. I recommend it. Um, and this is a good listen. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, before I toss it to me and Harrison, let me just tell you, let me go over my plugs here at the top. Go to patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety to support us, um, to, to keep us going. Uh, every, every bit there helps from our patrons. Thank you if you're a, a patron on our Patreon um, if you're not, please consider it because, hey, uh, I'm doing this, uh, we're doing this, um, and it takes a bit of money to keep to keep the site up, to keep the hosting up, to keep the podcast uh, hosting up, so uh, check that out. We have some extras there. And also, of course, follow us on Twitter, at TalkFemSOC. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. You can find me. I'm, uh, I'm easy to find. Um, yeah, that's it. Also up top, uh, I like to remind everybody: Hey, if you want to give us a five-star review, uh, only five-star review, uh, please just give us those. You do it on Apple Podcasts. I read the reviews here up top. Um, do that; that'll help us out in the algorithm on Apple Podcasts. It'll get more eyes on this show. Um, not only for my sake, thank you. But for the guests and all the other podcasts on their network, uh, the more eyes on our uh, podcast, the better. Uh, and if you're listening, uh, I don't know, uh, thank you. You're obviously listening to this. I'm not talking to a void. Um, I just want to say thanks for listening. I guess that's my point. Uh, I, th- I think we, we're crossing into the anniversary of this show. 
um, I forget. I, I didn't look this up when I started this recording. Uh, but I know end of August, uh, uh, early September is when I started the Talk From Society podcast. I'm going to say it's been seven or eight years now of doing the podcast. Uh, I did that first before I started the website uh, with all those great people, all the writers and the editors who helped build that website five years ago. But the podcast was first. And yeah, it's we're about to hit 100 episodes of this show. It's only taken, what, seven or eight years. Um, but I just wanted to acknowledge um, it's been... And it still is like fun to do. I, uh, there's a reason why I spend so much time editing, uh, recording first, editing, uh, and and publishing these episodes because um, I enjoy doing them, and it helps that I see people actually listen, you know, to the things I put out, and it makes me happy. Again, going back to it's not just a me effort; it's all of us on the network. So keep on listening to our shows. Keep on listening to me. Talk to my great guests. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a fun few last years. And, uh, again, it's around this time where I, where I realized, yeah, I've been doing it for however many years. And, um, again, it's either seven or eight years. I'll probably look it up after this. I'm not going to tell you now. Uh, but thanks for anybody who's been listening since the beginning. Thank you sincerely. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's it. Um, oh, I do again. I, I've been busy these last few days. Um, visiting family and friends and uh, being out in the world safely. Um, but I am planning on recording more top 25 episodes. I'm rounding up guests. Uh, I do want to talk about the latest releases. I do want to talk about Candyman and, and, and Shang-Chi. Uh, two good movies, in my opinion. Um, and I would like to get some guests on that on those episodes to talk about those movies. But yeah, I'm happy there are good movies out currently. Um, and of course, uh, out of all the great movies you can see theatrically or online, uh, over the weekend, I chose to watch, uh, Grillman's 2, the new batch, uh, with my family, with my, uh, niece and nephews, and they enjoyed it. I'm happy about that. It, Grillman's 2 is a classic movie, in my opinion. Uh, will it make my top 25 of all time? I considered it. I thought about it really hard, uh, but it's close. It's probably in my top 50. Because that movie is amazing. Uh, but that's what I watched over the weekend. Hey, that's on HBO Max if you want to revisit it or watch it for the first time. Because I think it definitely holds up. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my recommendation for the week. Uh, that's a segment I just started just now. Uh, uh, so my pick, Marcel's pick, is Gremlins 2 The New Batch. Check that out. Um, and also check out that Key, uh, that key and Peel sketch uh, on, on Gremlins 2. It's another classic. Yeah, but that's enough of me. I think I hit all the bases. Um, hope you're doing well. Uh, if, you, if you're listening to this the week, it come, the week it comes out, I hope you, if you did have a Labor Day weekend, I hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. And I hope you're staying safe again, uh, whether you're going out to the movies or not. Uh, if you're staying home uh, and going out or going out, going out, stay safe. That's my point. Um, and keep staying safe. That's it. I'll shut up. And I'll let me and Harrison discuss Harrison's top 25 films of all time. It 
seems like almost every episode of these, I try to do something new in terms of like presenting the list and talking to people about their okay. list. So okay. let me ask you a few questions yeah. and then we'll jump into the list. But let me ask you. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. How hard was it for you, Harrison, to make this top 25? Uh, it was both harder and way easier than I expected it to be. Because um, it's like I have, I've had a like top 10 list on Letterboxd basically since I started using Letterboxd. The top three or four, the top four of those are never going to move unless something like earth shattering happens. Um, honestly, probably the top five now that I'm looking at it. Um, but then everything else under that is pretty much in flux. So I had to like sit down and really reevaluate how I felt about certain things compared to others, like whether or not I legitimately loved the movie as much as I did, or did I love the connections I had to the material um, in a metatextual like sort of way. Um, and that kind of helped me rearrange how certain things on my list are. I basically treat treated the bottom... Uh, bottom quote unquote 21 through 25 are basically honorable mentions um uh, yeah in in my brain um but there's still movies that like i think deserve a spot on that list but couldn't like everything there is basically on par with each other in my opinion yeah so that that makes sense actually because i am still trying to come up with my top 25 because i will eventually do an episode uh or i um I, I I don't want to say reveal because that makes it sound like a big deal, but I'll just uh, I'm gonna do an episode where I go through my top 25, and I'm still yeah. having trouble kind of rounding out that list. But the way you said it makes sense to me because I have like a solid like top 19, and I'm kind of yeah. st- struggling with like the last like six, and I'm like, well, if I just say they're honorable mentions, maybe that'll make it better in my brain. So right, yeah, because I mean. If anybody wants to read along, it, it, this list will be on the the episode page on talkfromsociety.com. And also on Letterboxd, you have it saved as your personal yep. top 20, which now makes yes. sense to me. Because, yes, those other five are just your honorable mentions on this list. It's all it, the, the subheader is also, I thought I was being funny. I'm not funny, but it's fine. I just said my top 20 films in a ki- tightly condensed list of 25 because I cannot make up my mind. Yeah, there you go. Uh, which is also true. I can't make up my mind ever. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to do. Uh, and th- I have like a short list of movies I need to revisit in order like yeah. f- for me to say, oh, yes, this one for sure will be my will be on my list. So um it's tough to do now here's here's the thing where uh here's what i'm gonna say okay in order to make this shorter than three hours and 45 minutes i instead of us going through the the movies uh you know movie by movie harrison Mm -hmm. i'm just going to read the entire list right now and then we'll have a general talk about all of them uh okay for for the episode how does that yep, sound? That, okay. <laughs> I think that will work perfectly because that way I don't have to, that way I don't have to fill X amount of time talking about <laughs> a man with a movie camera, which nobody wants to hear me do. <laughs> and this is no like dig at anybody who's been on this uh, show previous, but like that just felt very much like what they had to do is like, every, I, I we would go through the list movie by movie and they would just, you know, fill it. And they would do fine talking about their favorite films of all time because they're they're their favorite yeah. films. But in terms of time, yeah, that eats up a lot of time. But I think we can do this oh, yeah. 
you know, uh, 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 at a concise in a concise way. So let me go through the list, okay, folks, and you can read along. Again, like I said, it's on the it's on the episode page or on Letterboxd. Um, Harrison's top twenty-five. So at number twenty-five, Time Bandits. At number twenty-four, uh, Demon Slayer. Your, you could just say you could you okay. I will take care of this one because you could chop mo. Like they are covering all their bases in the marketing, and it's dumb as hell. It's just Demon Slayer the movie, okay. Mugen Train. Okay, that's all it is. That's number twenty-four. Number twenty-three, Get Out. Number twenty-two, Akira. Number twenty-one. Winnie the Pooh from 2011. Uh, number 20, Pacific Rim. Number 19, Gone Girl. Number 18, The Witch. Number 17, Casino Royale. Number 16, The Babadook. Number 15, Pop Star. Never Stop. Never Stopping. Number 14, Paddington 2. Number 13, The Thing. Number 12, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Number 11, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Number 10, Silence. Number 9, The Great Escape. Number eight, Fantasia. Number seven, House from 1977. Uh, number six, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number five, Neon Genesis Evangelion, The End of Evangelion. Number four, Modern Times. Number three, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Never heard of it. Number two, Man with a Movie Camera. Number one, Mulholland Drive from 2001. That's Harrison's top 25 list. It's a fucking hell of a list. It's a hell of a list. Uh, you know, another great thing about doing this series is uh, every list is it's 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 eclectic. That's the word. Eclectic. Yeah, yeah. And there's never been a list uh, so far. There hasn't been one where I've seen all of them. There's always like one or two or three or more that I need people to, you know, uh, uh, ex- sell you on. <laughs> either sell me on or tell me what the fuck is Demon Slayer the movie. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Well, Mugen Train. Mugen Train. Why, yeah. don't we, why don't we start? You want to start with Mugen Train? All right. Mugen Train fucking rules. Mugen Train's incredible. So, uh, Demon Slayer, I need to check the, really quick on something. But Demon Slayer is a manga slash anime series that the the anime ran is is currently running. Season two is upcoming. Uh, I think the manga is cur- is now the best-selling manga of all time. Wow. Like, it beat out One Piece and Naruto and all that shit um, because the first season ran, it got super popular, and everyone was like, holy shit, I need to read this. Ran it, yep, uh, and ran out and bought uh, all of the manga. <laughs> it's the 10th best manga, 10th best-selling manga series of all time. It was the best-selling manga of 2019, 2020, something like that. Like, it, it, it did top the charts um in terms of manga sales which uh like we it, it, that is un, unheard of for something that's not like naruto or one piece to do at a certain point um on of that same note uh mugen train which is what i will just refer to the movie as going forwards mugen train is the highest grossing anime film and japanese film of all time period full stop uh it 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 has made more money than spirited away uh, it fucking rules. Uh, it it is basically the it is season like one point five of the show. Like it picks up right after the end of season one and is gonna go right into season two. So um, it's 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 not unheard of for anime to do that, but it's also not not like standard. 
Um, I I fell in love with Demon Slayer in the middle of uh, COVID lockdown because I actually took the lockdown seriously. Um, <laughs> and just kind of became smitten with it. And then, like, the day after I got my second dose uh, of the vaccine, tickets went on sale uh, to see Mugen Train in theaters. Uh, and you bet your <laughs> you bet your ass I bought tickets. So Mugen Train, on top of just being incredible, gorgeous, really well done story-wise, um, was also the first movie I saw in theaters after, like, a year and a half. So I feel like it deserves a spot on the list just for that reason. Like, if I had seen Fast 9 first instead of Demon Slayer, like, Fast 9 would probably be on this list for that reason. Um, (laughs) But I haven't seen Fast 9 yet. So, uh, (laughs) but Demon Slayer, uh, the gist of what Demon Slayer is about is it's uh, your main, the main guy, Tojiro, uh, his whole family gets fucking murdered by demons, just absolutely annihilated. And they like show it in the first episode. It's brutal. Um, and his sister gets turned into a demon, but not like, and, and, and and he is basically like trying to find a way to get to turn her back into a regular person and not be a demon anymore. Um, so every time he encounters someone new, they're like ready to murder his sister. And he's like, no, she's fine. I'm taking care of it. Do not kill her. And, it's never an issue. Like everyone's like, yeah, okay, we trust you. It's fine. Except in like a very few specific circumstances. Um, so what, what Mugen train is, is they get on a train and oh, they're like, all right, we hear that there is cause, cause it's set in like 1920s Japan and it, it, so like all of the style and everything is that it's really cool. Um, but they get on this train and there's a demon, Basically, there is a dream demon driving this train. So there's a lot of like weird dream logic stuff happening. Like the train turns into a flesh train at one point and they have to fight the train. Uh, And then they handle the train stuff about two thirds of the way through. And then the next like the, the third act of the movie is basically just a prolonged teaser for season two. And it's the hypest shit I've ever seen. It's rad as hell. It's so good. Uh, you said uh, earlier this is kind of a common occurrence with anime and, and series and movies, right? Not not as common as it's becoming. Um, oh, usually when, like, we'll talk, we will probably talk about the other anime, the other, like, that's, anime series movie that is on this list. That's that's kind of um, where I, I want to head towards because, like, yeah. ha- well, let me, let me double check here. You have... At least two anime on three, three anime. There's on th- there's three anime. It's Demon Slayer, it's Akira, and it's Evangelion. Yeah, so Evangelion, well, which we'll touch on because it's in the top five. We'll we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. But yeah. um, you said this is becoming kind of an an occurrence. And I, it's yeah, it's for, becoming for, more. Let me ask this though: for somebody like me who has no idea what Demon Slayer is, what well, if I were to watch Demon Slayer, that's on your list. This this movie, okay? Would I yeah. be? How confused would I be? Not per, not super confused. It might take a while to get up to speed with who the characters are and what the like what's going on. Like who like they they gesture at like larger world stuff. Like you don't know you don't have to know who like the Demon Slayers are. Like it's pretty self explanatory. They meet like uh I can't remember what the term is, but they meet like a 
big important demon slayer on on the train and they like talking about like how he ranks amongst like the other demon slayers and it's fine you don't need to worry about it um you can you can it, it'll it'll probably take a little bit of getting up the speed of like okay I don't quite you don't quite know who all these who the main three characters are or what they what their deal is or why you don't know for example why one of them is wearing a pig mask the entire time and refuses to take it off um which is like covered in an episode about halfway through the season but I think Mugen Train is extremely enjoyable even if you haven't seen season 1 uh like some of the stuff might be lost on you obviously but that would be like that would be like watching Two Towers without having seen Fellowship. Like you can you can grasp what's going on. You're gonna lose some of the finer points, but like I think it's pretty. I think it's fairly straightforward and pretty easy to follow in terms of the narrative it's telling. Why don't we jump to your number five? Why don't we talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion? Because basically, so same, if you have, same yeah, question, exact opposite, exact opposite. <laughs> No, 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 I shouldn't jump into Evangelion by just watching this movie, Neon Genesis, End of Evangelion, right? No. Well, well, first off, it's called End of Evangelion. So if you you jump (laughs) into that, having not watched Evangelion, you you are asking for trouble. As somebody who saw End of Evangelion before they saw Evangelion. Oh. Um, yeah, um, in undergrad, there were some people watching it in the lobby of my dorm, that was a decision that should not have been made and the RAs should have put a stop to it. Cause let me tell you, end of, end of Evangelion is a gross fucking movie in the best way. I, I love this mean spiteful movie. It's the, it's so, so angry about the existence of the Evangelion fan base. And it, it takes it out. It takes that anger out on the fan base and it's incredible. Just the amount of spite, Bite that fuels this movie's existence is just. Mwah. I mean, is it just them killing characters or like doing things that? So what? <laughs> so spoilers for Evangelion. Um, try, try try to be as like lightfully spoilery as you can be, Harrison. So end of Evangelion is essentially a high budget redo. Oh. of the final two episodes of the series. Um, I've heard it argued that the two, fi- the final two episodes of the series are what is happening internally to Shinji, uh, the protagonist, as, for lack of a better term, the world is ending. Uh, and the, the, the end of the series is his own internal struggles with his self, with his selfhood and mental health issues. Whereas end of Evangelion does tackle that, but also focuses on the stuff happening externally to Shinji and the actual like big robot fuckery going on. Um, so while the show doesn't explicitly show who get like it shows who gets fucking killed uh in in the process whereas the movie makes you watch it happen oh, uh, i see and it's wild um it also does a bunch of other real 
weird existential nonsense um and without without i'm i am trying really hard not to just say what happens because (laughs) it's it it, it's like if you look at the poster the post the poster uh the the poster on letterboxd for end of evangelion is wild and requires so much explaining that we might be here all day if I just talked about End of Ava. Yeah. We, um, we, we can save it for the uh, Evangelion podcast we're going to do, Harrison. Uh, li- later yeah, on. please, yeah. God. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but, it, I, okay. I, I, I will, I also, I also just need to say, there's a mass, like, End of Evangelion, Evangelion in general comes with a massive amount of content warnings on it, just like, all, all the gross shit you can, a lot of the gross shit you can think of kind of happens in that show. Uh, and, like, there's a, like, there is an instance of sexual assault in the first five minutes of End of Evangelion, and it's really bad. Um, and Ano kind of uses it to call out the fan base's attitudes towards certain female characters uh, in the show. Um, that's not excusing the, the the actions that take place in End of Evangelion, but like, use like it it is attempting to do something with the instances of assault that pop up in this movie. Uh, keyword here is attempting to. Let me ask you this. Uh, uh, and, and, and maybe this makes sense. Maybe this. Uh, I'm sure it'll make sense to you, but hopefully it'll make sense when I say it uh, to the listeners. But does like does this movie does End of Evangelion for you work because of your prior knowledge to the series, or does it work on its own? Like, okay, forget like being confused about like what's happening, but as a film like do you think it works as a film on its own or do you think you have to have knowledge of evangelion like your personal connection to the series elevates this for you like is is that the Um, case so i do think my personal connection to ava does definitely influences my opinion of end of ava that being said i think from a craft perspective, what they what they are doing, what what Anno and the other animators on this movie were doing, cra- from a craft level, is so entrancing for like for how weird they're willing to get with it. Um, I I like I like I said I saw this before I saw Ava, like as a whole. And I was kind of smitten with it even then, just because of how unabashedly weird and experimental they're willing to get with the animation. Like, there's there is a point where there is like live action footage of people dre- of like women dressed as the the three main women uh, in the show, like walking through actual. Uh, I think it's Tokyo, actual Tokyo, and it's like. It's 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 bizarre. It's such a weird thing that I can't help but be entranced by it even even before I had the context. Does it work as a movie like a, a told narrative without the series? No, because it is straight up it is straight up the finale of the series and you need to know what who these it doesn't take any time to explain who these characters are, what's going on, what are all these proper nouns getting thrown around, why are there ro- alien robots, what's this big spear, why is this lady turning into juice? I don't understand it at all. And even if you've seen Evangelion, it's kind of it's kind of hit and miss as to whether or not any of it will actually land for you. Um, 
But for me, it works like gangbusters. There you go. Um, uh, I mean, will I eventually see it? I don't know. Time will tell. Probably not. Um, so Akira is one that's... Yeah. It's, you know, hey, I saw that movie. I saw the movie yeah, for... for yeah, for, for the first time, maybe two years ago. Uh, yeah, two, it's a good fucking movie. Yeah, in a theater, no uh, no less. Uh, that was amazing. And that needed no, uh, uh, you know, uh, pretense. That needed no explanation beforehand. I knew exactly what that, what this crazy movie is. And it's it's amazing. I, I, yeah. I love Akira. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I can say anything about Akira that hasn't already been said by other smarter people. Yeah. Like, Akira is good. Go watch Akira. I, like, it's in my honorable mention section for a reason. Like, it's one of those ones of, like, I can't not pay credence to it on this list because it fucking rules. And I just, like, it, like, not a day goes by I don't think about it, which is part of why it's on this list. Um... But in terms of, like, can I talk about Akira at length the way I talked about Demon Slayer and Ava? Probably not. Without, like, without, like, getting real up my own ass about it. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I wanted to bring that up, too, because uh, it's along the anime uh, realm, which we're talking about. And also, it's one that if... Hopefully, I didn't scare away listeners with that. The you know Demon Slayer and Evangelion. I don't know how many anime (laughs) listeners uh, I have on this show. But, hey... There's something for everybody here. Akira, who's if, who? <laughs> if if people are clicking on an episode about my favorite movies and they know me at all, they should have known this was coming. <laughs> of course. Uh, so I will say you your list has more animation on it than any of the lists uh, I've seen so far. Um, okay. So because we have those three uh, animes, we have Winnie the Pooh from 2011, which. Yeah. I, I, I was confused at first because I was like, wait, is that the live action Winnie the Pooh? No, that's something no. else. This one, no. I, d- re- remind me about this one because this wasn't this like kind of like a reboot made <sighs> made by Disney. So, uh, fucking the, the Pooh license with Disney is a weird thing. Yeah, um, that maybe that's why I don't understand the Pooh license. So, overall. so. The the Winnie the Pooh movie from Disney has had the Pooh license basically since the seventies. Um, that old nineteen seventies movie that was Disney. Um, all the a lot of the directed DVD direct to video direct to well, not eh, uh, they weren't direct because a bunch of them did get theatrical releases, but they weren't made under the Walt Disney Animation Studios banner, so they didn't count towards the towards the that list, which. My fr- which Alex Isaac and I are going through on Dream a Little Deeper. Come listen to our show. We'll be back soon, I promise. Um, so th- the thing with Winnie the Pooh 2011 uh, that just keeps like that that puts it here for me is I think it's I think it's a triumph of 2D animation. Um, but the reason it's not higher on my list is because every time I think about its existence, I get sad because it's. 80 minutes it's it's less it's a sub 90 minute movie uh it is it was it is the last traditional 2d animated movie walt disney animation studios ever produced and they opened they opened it against harry potter and the deathly hallows part two they sent this fucking movie out to die so they could kill 2d animation Wait, so it, it it was a purposeful move, is what you're saying? I 
I don't think you open something against the last Harry Potter movie and expect it to do well. You just don't. Yeah, bit, I feel like yeah. I I feel like it was intentional because at this point 3D animation was alive and well. Uh, Disney had been doing it for years. Tangled was out at this point, and they knew that they could basically that they could quote unquote capture the Disney magic in 3D without having to expend nearly the same amount of resources as it would take to do a traditional 2D movie. So the way I see it is they were like, okay, well we have this movie in the works, we need to finish it, but we also need to figure out a way that we can. Like we can, we need to have something to point to that shows that 2D animation doesn't doesn't sell, and I, I feel like that's why they opened Winnie the Pooh against Deathly Hallows Part Two because that way they have subst- substantive proof that people are not going to go see 2D animated movies because this 2D animated movie didn't make any money. Circumstances of release aside, don't worry about it. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that is sad. I'm sad now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. being said. It's a phenomenal movie. It captures the essence of like w- like those old 70s movies extremely well. It's very smartly written. Uh it's got that weird meta text layer that I like on a lot of my Winnie the Pooh stuff where like they're ta- they're they're talking back and forth with the narrator. They're jumping through words. They're using word they I'm pretty sure they use like the words uh of the book to climb out of a pit at one point. Um, because, because they go through this whole, like, slaps, this whole, like, um, it's not quite slapstick, this, like, real weird, this real good miscommunication bit about whether, like, how Piglet should toss a rope down the pit to get Rabbit and Pooh out, uh, and it, 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 it's really clever, it's an exceedingly well-written movie, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy every time I watch it, this was my favorite Disney movie for a good long while. Um, until I started revisiting things even before Dream a Little Deeper happened, which is why my list is the way it is right now. Um, and I don't know, it's just for a Pooh movie to come out in like 2011 and be so achingly sincere when at like 2011 was still kind of at the height of like, like cultural irony being like a thing and everyone looking like askance and cynical at everything which has kind of turned on its head now we're back to like the extolling the virtues of sincerity uh and i think i feel like Pooh was like the the 2011 winnie the Pooh was like kind of our first inkling that that was going to happen um and i don't know i just i love it i love it to pieces it's so fun it's it's delightful Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'll have to check it out. I I do like Winnie the Pooh. I I, I cannot tell you uh, right now like what it, it's like. It's like growing up, like Winnie the Pooh was always there, and I I remember seeing those movies, but I don't know which ones I saw. So I have like that you know that that uh, lingering nostalgia for Winnie the Pooh, but I have not seen this movie. I will I'll, I'll have to check it out. Going towards the other animation, uh, animated films on this list, uh, Harrison. Yeah. Um. I mean. Uh, I, I'm willing to bet I know what your favorite Disney movie is. Disney animated movie, right? It's Fantasia. What? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's right here on this list. It's number eight. It's right here on this list. <laughs> so, so why this one above above the rest? Um. So I think I think just from an art pure artist artistry standpoint, this is by far the best thing Disney animation has ever done, and I don't know they're ever gonna top it. Um, which is wild because it was their third movie. Um, just the absolute swing for the fences that they made of like, let's, 
let's make a movie ostensibly for children uh, about capturing the feeling of going and seeing an orchestra uh, and like the emotions that conjures and like the stories that music can tell uh, and add the visuals to it in a way that fe like almost like personally I can't remove the visuals from this music ever like I hear Sorcerer's Apprentice and like I'm only gonna think about Mickey with the hat fighting the brooms uh, and like all of that like it's our it's the origin point of Yen Sid the wizard from Sorcerer's Apprentice uh, it's it it it's just a phenomenal piece of artistry that swung for the fences in a way I don't think Disney has quite done ever since. Like, they swing for the fences pretty consistently, but, like, Fantasia 2000's a different thing. Uh, it, it's good, but it's not nearly as successful at what it's trying to do as Fantasia is. Um, and then the other personal layer for this one for me is this was my sick, this was like my favorite movie as a child, even like as a five-year-old, I was, I was enraptured by Fantasia. Uh, I talk about it at length on our dream a little deeper episode about it, but I, I, I watch, I would watch it like multiple times a day as a child. It, 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 it's just always had a, a hold on me and yeah, I think that that's worthy of putting it in the top 10 easily. Well, there you go. Uh, above that, uh, two slots yeah. ahead is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I've already, yeah. I've already talked to at least one, one other person uh, about, because uh, it's also on their top 25. But um, considering this is like the third time we've done this list, uh, the TFS 100, which, which I, I, I'm sure I got into in the intro. I don't need to explain it again. But uh, the third iteration of this list, I'm sure we'll have Into the Spider-Verse, because I'm seeing that as like... Uh, I love that movie. People love that movie. You love that movie, yeah. Harrison, right? It, it's, yeah. Uh, it uh, is. According to this yeah. list, it's your second favorite animated movie of all time, right? Yeah, it's damn near a perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. It, it, I, I, I don't know. I can't even put it into words like how, like for me, it represents like so much of what I love about animation, uh, yeah. while, while also like pushing things forward like ahead like in, yeah. in in ways we don't even really comprehend you know exactly. now <laughs> like so, yeah. like yeah like i like i just said with fantasia and like kind of and the same thing is true for evangelion i like animation that is willing to just take the biggest swings they possibly can and um every single frame of spider-verse feels like they swung as hard as they could like the fact that they animated miles and peter on different frames so it feels like they're moving out of step until the end of the movie where they're moving simpatico and are move and are animated on the same frames uh what like what excuse me <laughs> is that legal <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's incredible. My my favorite little detail is like um, it's more prominent uh, in the beginning of the movie, where it's like that red and blue sort of like uh, um, hint to the frames, sort of like replicating the the comic book feel. Yeah, like, yeah. It threw me off the first time I saw. It. I'm like, wait, what is this? Like, what's going on? And even, like, and then another time I saw it with my family, because they took everybody to, to go see this movie. Um, I think we were watching it in 3D. 
but but even with like 3D glasses, they were like, "Is this is this really 3D? It looks weird. Like you can still see like the red and blue." Yeah. Like, it, but I'm like, it works. It's like such odd of a detail to me that we're not used to, but it works so well within this the the aesthetic of the movie. I, I love yeah. I love those details in this movie. And like the fact that they fully orchestrated the movie, pressed it the orchestra pressed the score to vinyl and then scratched the score oh, yeah. in the into the movie is one of the most batshit things I've ever heard. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, and considering this is like a a Sony, you know, Spider-Man film, yeah. you know, post Sam Raimi. Uh, I, I was I was uh, uh, animated film too. I was like, "There's no way this is going to succeed in my book," but then it does, and more m- yeah. more so than I even could have imagined. But yeah, 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 incredible. Um, like going in, going in, I was like, "There's no way this movie is good." Like yeah. straight up, I, I was like, "There's no way this movie is going to be good at all." And I came out of it, and I'm like, "Well, that's one of the best movies ever made." <laughs> Fucking d- done. Like game over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is incredible. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I do want to have the discussion, but I might save it for the end because like the, the, there's a discussion I've, I've had with people on this on this series about like you know picking the um, you know films from like you know the best directors of all time, right? Like yeah. Um, I might I might push that towards the end because that kind of like uh, 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 zeroes in on your number one, which I won't talk about. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about. These, uh, they're not necessarily like odd picks, but they're like, oh, you know. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, what are you, what are you thinking? Oh, I, th- I feel like I know, I know what some what, of them are. Fucking lay it on me. What are you, what, no, are, no, what no. are you looking askance at? I want to know what you think I'm thinking. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the night, uh, the fucking, I need to put, put the drop down. I feel like the movies from, uh, <laughs> pre-1950 that are on here are 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 pre-1960 rather are making you are like raising an eyebrow a little bit especially no. since they're so high up listen okay why don't we talk about uh, a man with a movie camera because yeah that's the yeah that's the that's one not I necessarily the one i was thinking of i was actually thinking of Paddington, uh, Paddington too but we'll talk about that in a bit okay um okay. man with a movie uh, man with a movie camera is one i have not seen but i i know i know of it i don't know exactly yeah what it's about is that the one harrison with like the eyeball getting cut out is that the, is that the same one or i'm thinking about something else uh there's a lot of stuff with eyes in man with the movie camera um i don't think an eye gets cut out no 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 no. the eye does not get cut that's not what this is that's okay. not what this is i'm thinking about something else so uh, that obviously is, that is a different experimental uh yeah. soviet film yeah yeah see i was close i was close though but i, I, I I knew in the beginning of this uh, this thing you said you you know you weren't gonna spend too much time or you, you <laughs> um, it was gonna be no one wants to hear me wax exactly. poetic about man with the movie camera but now I want uh, you to <laughs> now you're gonna make me wax poetic about man with the movie camera that's fine um so if anyone is listening who uh, has listened to going Helms deep uh, every, <laughs> uh, they will know that I have a slight slight soft spot for modernism uh a man with a movie camera is like was taught to me in undergrad by one of my now good friends um who was doing postdoc work at the time uh and man with a movie camera is basically like hey what if we like 
created a basically a collage of life in the modern city. Um, it 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 was filmed over the course of like a couple like, over a while, and it's the city that is depicted in Man with a Movie Camera is a combination of Moscow, Kharkov, Kiev, and Odessa. Um, all meshed into one, given no distinction between which which city he uh, the the cameraman is in at any given time. So it's crea- it's this mm, amalgamation, this collage of what modern life uh, under with like machinery and industry beginning to burgeon and rise um, is starting to look like. And Man with the Movie Camera is absolutely fascinated with the the finer points of machinery and what machinery means there's an entire section where it's kind of it's looking at like the the the, the mechanical aspects of the human body and how all of that functions there's a point where um the camera it's like comparisons are drawn between the camera lens and like the eyes the the human eye which is like a fairly obvious comparison to make but like there's point there's a point near like in the back half where the camera starts to like using stop motion that like they basically make it. So the camera itself, it begins to move on its own. Like the camera and the lenses are directing things in its own way. Um, while crafting this image of modernity in, in, um, 1920s, uh, Soviet Russia. But then also it keeps pulling the curtain back and showing you the editing process of how all of this was put together and the artificially constructed nature of this image of modernity. Uh, it, it, it's, it is a fascinating thing. Um, and the fact that we don't re like, I'm pretty sure we don't have like an actual intact copy of it at this point. Like all every, every version is going to be slightly different because of just how, like how old, movies are at this point uh and needing to kind of be like reassembled as they get rediscovered and like 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 metropolis which doesn't pop up on my list metropolis is a famously unfinished movie uh or rather we don't have a finished cut of it so new parts of metropolis keep getting found every couple of years which i think is the funniest thing (laughs) uh and man with a movie camera kind of tickles the same part of my brain that metropolis does but man with a movie camera i think is so much more successful about what it's doing just because we have more of it and it's more intact um it also does some really cool stuff with like double exposure uh, for the first, like for some of the first time, like you, you'll see certain techniques in man with a movie camera that were like pioneered here. Uh, it, it, it's really, really cool. It's a fascinating movie. There you go. See, th- this is one it, it, I, I am fascinated with like this, like that era of filmmaking, because I always tend to forget like things were, um, you know, revolutionary back then. Like they were doing things that, uh, seeing it now through our, you know, 2021 lenses, we'd be like, oh, like they were ahead of their time, like a hundred years ago. Um, right. It seems like that's that that's this movie. So I need to check. This yes. Out. No. Yeah. Absolutely. There's there's a there's a shot where they like double expose some film, uh, and make it so that a look like a cruise ship, like a big like tanker, is sailing down the streets of the city. And it's just, it is fascinating to see, like, yeah, this is kind of what it feels like to know that, like, industry is going to dominate 
like modernity going forwards because like yeah fucking it's unavoidable and it's going to barrel down the streets of your city like a fucking runaway tanker and you can do nothing to avoid it it's gonna happen <laughs> um, it's, it's rad this movie's awesome it's so good so we're gonna go with uh we're gonna go from man with a movie camera to paddington 2 okay yeah paddington 2 <laughs> but I, I i was like i i was trying not to say like odd pick it was it's like a pick Paddington paddington 2 is like a pick that like I I I'm surprised isn't more. Um, I, I'm surprised I haven't yeah. seen it more, because yeah, I think I love both Paddington films. I do, and uh, maybe I'm just not courageous enough to put them on my you know best of lists, uh, because also I'm a coward because I don't want to rewatch those movies and cry again. Th- yep, there's a lot, especially like well. I don't know. I, both of them, I think, are effective. It's hard for me to pick my, mm-hmm. my favorite of the two. But why Paddington 2, Harrison? Uh, one, why? And then why over Paddington 1? Um, so I haven't seen Paddington 1. Which Wait, is what? <laughs> Wait a yeah. second. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a weirdo then. You're just a weird person. <laughs> what? I'm so. I'm sorry. Do I need to point you to the last five minutes of discussion? <laughs> yes, I'm a fucking weirdo. You know this. Okay, I, um, I, I don't. I don't want to belabor the point, but Harrison, this is like on your top twenty list of all time. This is this, yeah. There's a there, there's a first part to this. You've only seen the sequel. <laughs> yeah, and it fucking rules. <laughs> Paddington Two is about prison reform. Fucking sue me. Actually, yeah, you know, you I, know. Now, now I think about it. I think Paddington Two is better than Paddington One because I think Paddington, Paddington Two, Two is incredible. Does so much like because Paddington Two opens up with like that flashback with him and his family and oh that's heartbreaking and then it it, that has that beautiful transition of like that storybook thing that they Uh do that's beautiful uh Uh, i've I've only seen this movie once by the way then it goes yeah and then he goes to prison and then then, yeah and then you got just hugh grant just chewing any scenery he can get his hands on and turning in a career best performance it's incredible it's so good but I mean, you gotta see the first one. It has Nicole Kidman as the bad guy? She's I amazing. know, I know, I Come know, on. I do. Come on, I know, I do. I I'm very busy. There's not enough hours. <laughs> You're very in the busy, game, Marcello. You know this. <laughs> it's I don't know how long Pen- Pennington One is, but it can't it can't be that much of a hassle to sit down and watch. No, you're I, don't, right. I don't know why you're I'm right. angry. I'm not angry. I'm just like surprised. I'm just surprised. Like that's yeah. fair. <laughs> no, that's fair. And like, I think. I think it's just like it's one of those things of like Paddington one hit and everyone's like oh this is surprisingly good and then Paddington two hit and everyone's like this is the greatest movie of all time this is better than Citizen Kane and I got caught up in the hype a little bit so I had to like I had to see what everyone was talking about so I'll get to Paddington one eventually but Paddington like Paddington's also a weird thing because like Paddington's like my mom's favorite like just <laughs> straight up and down like my mom adores those books she still has her like Paddington doll from when she was a kid, uh, Paddington teddy bear from when she was a kid, like hidden in her closet. Uh, and like, it's, it's this weird, it's the, it, there's, there's, it's like the one real personal connection I have with my mom and, uh, Paddington two is just fucking incredible on top of that. Uh, and also it being about prison reform really tickles me in a really cool way. Because it's like, yeah, if if we taught prisoners how to bake, 
and like how to be actually good people, it would be more productive than throwing them in a cell to rot for the rest yeah. of their lives. Yeah. Um. And we and just ang- Paddington spends a lot of this movie angry, and it's the most adorable thing. It's so good. <laughs> that uh, face he make that face he makes at Brendan Gleeson, uh, in prison that just like throws him for a loop entirely is so good. It's the most adorable thing in the world. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to bring this up, but I'm bringing this up because I'm just always confused about like any hate that gets uh, thrown at Paddington. Man, well, I don't. I don't yeah. understand it. Uh, I don't understand it. I, I. 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 Remember how I said with Winnie the Pooh 2011. I was going to say sincerity, I, right? Like sincerity and irony are a weird thing. Uh, I part of me thinks that. There was an initial movement behind Paddington 2 that was, like, ironic love of it because it's so sincere. Um, But at a certain point, irony loops all the way back around and becomes sincere again because you've bought into the bit so hard. (laughs) That's that's me in the Fast and Furious movies, but uh, continue. Oh, yeah. um, But also, Paddington 2 is is so sincere and came out in a time where we needed... Like as a cult, a lot of us as a culture needed something so sincere and so that something that so deeply believed that things could be good and better. Uh, and the fact that Paddington Two is a really solid movie on top of just being the most sincere thing in the world, just believing that you can change and that people can get better and that you can like overcome adversity by actually like banding together and um just being good people and being nice and kind is something it's just it's nice it's it it's hard not to call that kind of outlook naive but paddington 2 sells it so hard that you have to believe it a little bit yeah yeah, I just had to remind myself like what year it came out. Twenty seventeen, uh, which yeah, yeah makes complete sense. We needed that at that time. We still kind of need it now. Um, but yeah, that's we still very much need it. Yeah, now. very much need it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember sitting in that theater, like basically almost bawling my eyes out. I kind of did ball, but uh, it was just a weird time in my life, and I think everybody's life. You know, I think it was early two thousand seventeen. This came out, so yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 a, a welcome uh, dose of sincerity uh, in my book. Yes, uh, but yeah, again, I don't get, I don't, I don't get it. It's weird that uh, the hate, but I kind of understand it. I, I do, but still, come on. What's the? I mean, the, he's just there to, he's just there to, to, to warm your heart. What's not, what's not to like? He's just, he's just there to be nice and give you marmalade sandwiches. That's it. Be come nice on. to the bear. Come on, be, be nice, nice to the, to the, be bear, nice to the bear, Dave. Be nice to the bear. <laughs> Don't want, and Matt. I think Matt also has an issue. Um, anyway, regardless. Um, okay. I, I want to shift to another British icon, uh, James Bond. Uh, yeah. Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, f- uh, I, I want to I be 100% specific. Casino Royale 2006. Yes, Casino that's right. Yeah. 2006, not that other one. Yeah, I, I don't talk about. I should have. I should have uh, uh, made that clear when I went through when I went through the list earlier. Yes, Casino Royale 2006, um, directed by Martin Campbell, starring Daniel Craig, um, uh, and also starring uh, Ava Green. 
in maybe my favorite performance of hers in in any movie. Um, yeah. Okay. I, 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 only because I'm currently going through this right now uh, with Skyfall. Like I am, I'm trying to decide whether Skyfall is going to make my top twenty-five. Right? I've I, I rewatched that one. Well, I rewatched half of it. I'm going to watch the the other half uh, later today. Actually, you're an uh, insane person. Watch the movie in one go. I can't, I can't with you people. <laughs> I put it on late. I worked that day, uh, Harrison. Okay. I, that's I, a I, good. I passed okay. out. That's a good. Okay. That's okay. a fa- okay. That's a fair reason. Okay, and I've seen it. It's it's my tenth time seeing it. So I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, yeah I, that's okay. You know what? Right. That's fair. Okay. God, what a good movie. What it's, a, it's great. Hey, James James Bond. Generally. Pretty fun time. Yeah, yeah. But Casino Royale is like a contender for me uh, because... Yeah. It, it, and I don't want to talk a, a lot about Skyfall because I'll save that for when I talk about Skyfall. But Casino Royale, like, also like Skyfall, does so much of what I love to see in Bond movies. And just on its own, it's a fantastic action movie. It's with, so good. With Craig as like, oh, uh, I... Uh, I mean, personally, he's like my second favorite Bond. No, Dalton is my favorite Bond. But still, anybody who says he's the best Bond, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, yeah, no, he's the best Bond. I'm, yeah. so, I, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. I see you with Dalton, but holy shit. Yeah. God. I, I, I was... So, this is also kind of a personal thing. One of the only thing, my, things my dad and I bonded over was World War II movies and James Bond movies. And... um casino royale just fucking hit a bunch of notes for me in terms of like just being immaculately constructed being like the first bond like really first bond post austin powers to really kind of shake that off yeah uh and like it's also post born and you can really fucking feel that especially with like the the embassy parkour sequence at the top of that movie um it works really well as like an origin story reboot for bond which uh, especially like as reboots and shit have only gotten more relevant and prevalent in today's pop culture landscape casino royale keeps standing out as like yeah we fucking did it first and we did it best fuck all of you oh yeah yeah and um I, i i have been reading the the book casino royale and i love that it does stay faithful to some of the book, but also it uh-huh. does it does very much live in the modern era with like, you know, not yeah. There are moments of like misogyny, but there, but because of the direction and because of like Craig's performance and the script, it is very much of the modern era. And I love this approach. Like, it it, it would have been a shame if like they didn't shift that that's what i love about the bond movies they shift uh-huh. with the times like in in the 90s brosnan's bond is not uh you know the connery bond and then now like with the the the, the you know the the dana craig era it's <laughs> the thing i point to of like yes this is this is what i want in a modern bond is like the the, the moment in casino royale when craig comes out of the ocean and very much does the Dr. No nod, but just Jesus it's him. Christ. It's all oh my God. It's Daniel Craig, like fully jacked in this like tight little, oh, <laughs> like, God. like a, a speedo or whatever he's wearing. And he's it's like, so yes. Hot. <laughs> but that's, that's what I want in my modern bond. Just a, 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 um, a twist, a, a change of, yeah. a change of pace from like the mod, the, that 
old-timey misogyny that was in the original films and books. And yeah, there you go. It it, it it's those it's those blue eyes, Harrison of Craig's too. Oh, that like kind of like hell. like shatter me each time uh, I, I see him yeah. on screen with like uh, uh, Vesper. That that relationship too is maybe my favorite relationship in it's, any yeah, Bond movie. They're they're they are absolutely incredible together. They're so good. Yeah. Um. It it it's it's sad that Spectre kind of cheapens. Uh, yeah. Everything that happens in this movie. I I. <sighs> I really want to pretend that movie doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's becoming harder to do now with No Time to Die coming out and that very much being in the canon of, of Spectre. Um, yeah, it's, it's fine. Seemingly. Listen, yeah. it's fine. They'll, they'll, they'll move away from it when they switch off of Craig to whoever's next, I bet. Um, but like Casino Royale still, even despite Spectre's existence, still stands on its own as like just an absolute powerhouse of like this is how bond ended up the way he is yeah this is how he ended up so fucking like cold and removed like the way you remember him because he is emotionally invested in everything that's happening in this movie and it's incredible it's such a more i i I hesitate to call it raw but like it's a much more He's so much more vulnerable in this than like yeah. even like than you remember when you when you sit down to watch it. Like the fact that you hold the the name's Bond, James Bond, until the last line of the movie, until it's like, yep, no, okay, this is this is him now. Like we're here. This Bond is Bond now. We're gonna go from here. Just uh what an incredible, incredible decisions all around. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I I do love it. I do. Um, Mads Mikkelsen also fucking rules in this oh, movie. Oh, that's right, he's Mikkelsen. So good. He's, he's amazing in everything he's in. But this correct. I, I think I think people. I I don't want to say they tend to forget he was a Bond villain, but it it just it happened long enough ago, and now he's like done so much other like other great work. Uh, you know, Hannibal and Under the yeah. Round just recently. So yeah. like yeah. People need to be reminded. Hey, he was a great Bond villain, like uh, yeah. fifteen years ago. So give him that too. Um, yeah. the 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 problem is like, if he hadn't done Hannibal, this would be way this would stand way taller. The problem is he is now the best version of Hannibal that's ever been put to screen. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like, sorry, Hopkins, but like, Mickelson ate your fucking lunch. <laughs> I thought you could say something else. Um, no, his liver or something that would have been more appropriate. But I mean, listen, we don't we don't know what he had for that lunch, so that's Wait, fine. I just realized I, uh, that that's a new pitch. I'm going to pitch uh, Hannibal versus Hannibal, Hopkins versus Mickelson. Make that happen. Mickelson somehow. wins. Mickelson yeah. wins. Like I'm sorry, no, but put it on screen. I'm not. I'm not sorry. I'm not <laughs> sorry. But these uh, are just the facts. I'm sorry. <laughs> you mentioned World War Two. Yeah, um, the Great Escape. Okay, Great Escape's great. It's 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 a weirdly. This is what I this is what I find weird about World War Two movies from this era, like specifically the '60s that are like American made. This movie's really light in terms of stakes, until it's very much not. Um. Uh, have you seen the Great Escape, Marcelo? I was gonna say this is one I have not seen. Harrison. Okay, so, uh. Like the Great Escape is following a group. Uh, it first off, it's a Steve McQueen joint, old Steve McQueen, not currently working Steve McQueen. Um, 
it's it follows like uh allied uh troops being kept in a german pow camp trying to tunnel their way out uh of this camp to freedom this is it is based on a true story uh and but like it is it 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 has the same tone of like something like the sting which is another old uh movie uh it, it it's fairly light it's very lighthearted you don't ever really get the stake sense that they are actually in everyone looks really good everyone's done up nicely everyone's hot as shit in this fucking pow camp uh despite the fact that it's a german pow camp in world war ii um <laughs> Like they're gardening and shit. They're like taking they're like taking bird watching classes. It's it's wild. But like I still think the when when the chips are down and you enter that final act of the movie where they're like, All right, the tunnels are ready, let's go. And they get out and the the tension ratchets up. It is extremely effective. Um the the actual like once a chunk of them actually get out and like are in an, are attempting to get out of Germany, like the amount of tension and release and tension and release that this movie plays with is really really affecting. Uh, this is another movie my dad and I kind of bonded over, uh, and it's just like this was another this was another one of my sick day movies as a kid. It's long, and you can just kind of fade in and out. Like it, it it's also a really good hangover movie because like despite it being set in World War One, not a lot of guns go off until the very <laughs> end. So you can just kind of like fade in and out and just kind of have a good sense of what's going on. But even if you're paying attention, it does do a very good job of of like illustrating the dangers of like all this tunneling. Like one of the guys goes blind because of an accident in one of the tunnels. They built three tunnels because they needed to be like if the Germans found out about one, they needed to be able to have backups and be able to shift production over to the other tunnels. Uh, so they like deal with like, they do deal with like the quote unquote realities of trying to tunnel out of a POW camp and like the logistics that would go into it. But much like movies of that era, there's the weird, there's like a weird distance and artifice to it. Like if this movie were made now, it would be like gritty, realistic, like, Oh, it's so scary. You're going to build these tunnels. Yada, yada. But meanwhile, it's like, nah, I could see Jimmy Stewart doing something like this and just kind of waffling on through it it's got the same kind of tone as something like the man who shot liberty violence like this weird theatrical nature to it because it's so like it's of it of that time uh i wouldn't call any performances in this naturalistic but that doesn't stop from being like legitimately a great war epic uh despite there not being any like actual like full-scale war shit happening aside from just like when they get out and the germans start chasing them Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, it came out on Criterion, I believe, like in the last yeah. year or so. Yeah, I'm, yeah. It I it I still need to snag that Criterion. Yeah, I, I might need to pick that up too. Um, you you absolutely should. It's yeah. it's an incredible watch. It's really good. There you go. Um, before we get to that last topic, last question, the last thing I wanted to touch on, which will lead us to the end of the episode. Um, some quick. Uh, well, let's try to keep it quick. Uh, quick uh, 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 mentions uh, of uh, the hey pop star the comedy you have on this list yeah uh, uh, yeah there, there are other movies that are comedic but this one I think the only pure comedy movie on your list um, yeah love it yeah I mean, love it 
I'm not I'm not going to say, hey, why aren't there more comedies? At least you have one. Some on some lists, I don't want to name names because I already forgot those names. I'm pretty sure some people just tend to go for like the more serious, more dramatic, more prestigious yeah. films and kind of forget the comedies, yeah. which is kind of it's 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 an issue I, I kind of wish wasn't an issue because I kind of wish comedies were perceived as more than they are. You know, they're yes, amazing. Absolutely. Works. Yeah. And, I, I, and Popstar, I love that that's on here. It's it's one of my yes. favorites. Um, yeah. Andy Samberg and co are musical geniuses. Yeah. It, it, I think I think it's the one movie. And I've been thinking about this recently because I have been like, um, uh, I, I don't want to say working on a playlist. I just made a playlist that I kind of want to do something with later where I was like focusing on like fake, you know, movie bands and fake, you know, performers in movies. Fake in terms of like they're only like in yeah. movie, you know, they're real. Yeah. Um and Popstar is on that list cuz like it not only is is that character uh that 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 Andy Samberg plays like amazingly written, uh but the music, uh-huh. all the music in the movie it's, the music's all incredible. It's incredible, and it's because like the, and, the, and it, the and the talent they pulled. Yes, yes. The it 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 captures like why I love the Lonely Island, like why I think they're an amazing group, and that soundtrack on its own, it's it's one of their best albums. It may be their best album yes. in my book, maybe. Um, but yeah, I I I would agree. I also think this movie is top twenty material just because of the fact that like coming out of. Uh, the open the opening with I'm so humble. Uh, they got Mariah Carey to say this song speaks to me because I'm the most humble person I know, and I'm just like that joke alone, top twenty material, one of the funniest things I've ever heard, which is saying something because in fucking I'm so humble, they got fuck they they say like the best line in that song is i feel more humble than dikembe mutombo after a stumble left him covered in a big pot of gumbo <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it's good yeah it's it's amazing uh their their the, the lyrical work um i think is underappreciated i, I, I it's so underappreciated yeah. um okay oh yeah i want to touch on that uh, let's talk about some of the horror movies they have on here the babadook yeah. The Vivich. Yeah, the, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's the witch for God's sake. It is the witch, but the, <laughs> but okay. In the typeface of the time, that is how it was written. It have didn't I, have W's. Have it? Did did we have this argument before on Talk Film Society? Yes, we, we did, did. Right? Have this yeah. argument before because I put together a piece for the uh, yeah. It was you. And, it was you. Uh, <laughs> and um religious scare pamphlets of the 1600s and i wrote it the vavitch every time and we got into a shouting match about it and i was like no print no. it and you didn't print it <sighs> wait no I, I i printed i just i think i just you changed the, it no you ran the article but you didn't but you went and changed all my double v's to w's and i was like no <laughs> i'm talking I Only... was talking about I was talking about take pamphlets from the 1600s. If I was going to do it at any point, it was going to be in that article. <laughs> okay, now that we're approaching the fifth year anniversary of Talk from Society, we can go back, Harrison, and re-edit that article to your liking. Yeah. Okay, and then and then we'll re-release it and say, "Hey, look, we we made a mistake from the vault. From the vault. Here we go. Where it's 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 the it's the director's cut of this article. Um, but okay." More, they're more recent horror movies. The Babadook, the the Witch, um, but I think I think they 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 excel in what they do. Not necessarily Absolutely. 
I don't like the word. Uh, what's what's that word? What's that phrase that's been going around that people like to use? Elevated a lot? horror. Elevated horror. I don't like that. Fuck right off. No, it, it no. They're, they're they're straight horror. Like sure, they're yeah. They yeah. they're they're maybe seen more as that elevated horror because these maybe are more uh, more focused on like. Um, the, the, the dramatic aspect of things, maybe not as like exploitative as like you know what people yeah. are accustomed to in terms of horror, but still, come yeah. on, there's still elements in yeah, there that are horror like, movies. yeah, they're horror movies, they're, they're horror, horror movies, yeah, they're horror movies. Shut the fuck up! Like <laughs> I, I'm not gonna say I'm not a sucker for that that kind of shit. Um, like I I like the the I like the aesthetic trappings of quote unquote elevated horror like a twenty four bullshit. Um, Old schlocky horror absolutely has a pl- has its place. Like the thing is higher up on my list than the Babadook and the Witch. Like I'm sorry, old old like old schlocky Carpenter grade horror. Like not to talk shit on John Carpenter, but like you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Like that kind of really dirty, grimy, cheap like not not cheap looking, but like lower budget appearing kind of movie doesn't exactly hit with me. Cause and just the exploitative exploitation films in general just kind of miss me with it like there's no tarantino on my list anywhere because i just don't vibe with any of that um but like growing up when i grew up i it was basically like the only big name horror movies i had to like i had to take my pick from were kind of like torture porny and that never really appealed to me so eventually finding like finding the babadook the year that came out uh was a fucking revelation for me i'm like oh shit horror can do this and not just be gross uh and then the witch was the same way um because the witch also hit at a point where i was starting to change my field of study at school uh closer towards uh english and literature and i was kind of deep in uh that era of american and british writing like the super religious um puritanical pamphlet like warning pamphlet style of uh writing so the witch hit at a point where i was primed to vibe with all of it like everyone like when that movie came out everyone was complaining that it needed subtitles because it couldn't understand what they were saying meanwhile i walked in i'm like oh i've been reading nothing but this for the last like two months i'm good yeah so it it, it absolutely just hit at a time where i i needed both of those to hit um, and also the Babadook is one of the most fucking horrifying things I've ever seen. <laughs> so, um, let's jump to, uh, another horror movie that was it, it, kind of in the same vein as the thing, but I don't even know how to describe house house to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've stopped trying. <laughs> I've just, I've just been like, look, it's a Japanese horror movie from the seventies. Just trust me on this. It's 90 minutes. We're in and out. And there, and ninety percent of the time, people are like, "Okay, I trust you on this." I, uh, one of my friends who very much does not do horror, I love her to pieces, but she is kind of a weenie. Uh, I convinced her to watch House on Halloween, and she texted me like three days later, and she's like, "I've had nightmares about this goddamn movie for the last two days." Fuck you. <laughs> that's that's the reaction you you, you want to get though from House. As the that is the reaction I want to get from House. House is one of the most insane pieces of film I've ever seen. It's so good. Just it's pure, pure unfiltered madness. Just 
And the way that it, like, hits on, like, the weird anxieties around, like, broken families and reconstruct, like, like, reconstructed families. And, like, there's obvious, there's, like, some World War II tension in there because, like, it's Japan. Of course there is. Um, And just, like, the way that the house itself, like, it almost reminds me, uh, sorry, I'm going to be academic again. It reminds me of fucking Setpin's Hundred from Faulkner's Absalom Absalom, where, like, the like the people living in the house are fucking evil, and they're horrible Southerners who are just, like, making, like, who are just, like, exploiting the shit out of their their slaves and each other. But the house itself feels profoundly evil in that book. Like, there is a history to that house outside of the people that live in it. Um, And while house is very much about the suffering of this one woman who lives in this house, some of that has bled into the house itself. And the, 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 the house in house very much feels like it is exacting vengeance upon the the girls that come to visit just by virtue of them being young and still having a whole life to lead it it's it's fucking it's so hard to describe because it's just trying to do so much and i think generally succeeds at what it's doing it's 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 incredible i love that movie so much Oh yeah, uh, I do too. Um, again, another hey Criterion Collection disc, which I yeah. highly recommend. It's, yeah, it's yeah. an incredible, it's an incredible disc. It's yeah. so good. Uh, one of the things I love about the behind the scenes of that movie is I think the director said he wanted to do his own version of Jaws, and this is what he came oh, up with. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, I see it. That fucking cat's horrifying, man. <laughs> um, okay. I know we haven't talked about everything on your list, Harrison. That's fine. There's a lot on here. There's a, There's lot. a lot of heavy shit on here, too. Yeah. But uh, in this final, I guess, portion of the episode, um, I want to talk about this question, which I've asked people, and I want to know your take on it, which will lead us to uh, some other movies on your list, and then your number one. But did you approach this list as like, okay, one movie from one director like let's not have like multiple you know carpenters or lynches or wes anderson's or scorsese's like did you have that approach with this list or did you just just so happen to have you know not run not run into like doubles from directors i i had heard people talking about that in the disc in the talk film society discord about like whether or not they were going to do one person one director per one film per director and i had initially been like no that's stupid i'm not gonna do that um because i was like no if i'm gonna have multiple david lynch's on here i'm gonna have multiple david lynch's on here and you can't tell me what to do (laughs) um but it ended up just kind of working out that it only ended up being one film per director just because my taste is so fucking weird and eclectic uh, cause like the, the, the swings on this list, for, like fucking Winnie the Pooh is on there as well as, you know, house. So it, it, it just kind of became panned out the way this way. Um, part of me was like the, my first pass, I was like, oh, I should probably have one from this director and this director and this director. And I looked at it and I'm like, I don't like half the movies I put on this list. And I had to restructure it and think about the movies first rather than directors first. Um, 
because honestly, like if you were putting together a list of your top 25 movies of all time, whether or not you have multiple from the same director shouldn't matter. If the movies mean that much to you, they deserve a place on the list. Um, Phantom Thread just barely missed being on this list for me. Hmm. Um, like Phantom Thread is the honorable mention for this list because fucking it's it fucking whips. Phantom Thread's incredible and it's PTA's best, but no, like I I actually will say I did have Inglorious Bastards on here. And then I looked at it again. I'm like, Bastards feels wrong. I like that movie, but there has to be something like more than that. And I cut Inglorious Bastards for Time Bandits. Ah, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Because Time Bandits is a movie I like personally a lot more. Uh, I I would entertain an argument that said Inglorious Bastards is a better movie than Time Bandits. Sure. I I, I would say that, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, Right. Exactly. But also... Time Bandits makes me feel like I'm a little kid again and fills me with a bunch of joy. Yeah. Bastards is like, yeah, this is a well-assembled movie and I like seeing Nazis get murdered. You know where else I could see Nazis get murdered? The Great Escape. Yeah. I'm good. Um, and, and, and it's so clear that The Great Escape is just one of those touchstones that Tarantino like said, hey, I'm, I'm taking a lot from this movie. And, and so yeah. why, why not have the original instead of Inglourious Bastards? Yeah. I see that too. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm guessing it wasn't uh, a case of like, oh, you know, uh, uh, am I going to have to choose between like what Del Toro movie or you know, it, it wasn't no. that case. It was just like, oh, it just so happens that you know Pacific yeah. Rim uh, got on here. Yeah. And yeah. same with like Gone Girl. You know, you, uh, there's no other one that would have topped uh, your your Fincher list, right? You weren't like having a hard no, discussion. I was, about no, no, I was not. I was not having hard discussions about a director's oeuvre. Um, I will say uh, there were there was a point where I was like I was considering putting knives out on this list and then just it fell by the wayside. Um, but Last Jedi was always going to be on this list. Oh yeah, like, it was yeah. always going to happen. Yeah, like it's. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had more time to talk about Last Jedi, but that I mean I've I'm also I've talked so much about that movie over the last few years. Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie. Yeah, it, it, I I am always up for that discussion. I don't personally think so. I think it's a hard number two. It's re- it's it's right below Empire, but I love Last Jedi. It, it, eventually, over yeah. time, it's it's creeped up for me. Actually, like it's it went from like four, three, and now two, and maybe it'll be yeah. one eventually. But I I am I'm, I'm with you in that yeah. in that argument that yeah, I think I think uh, there's a case for it being the best. Yeah, um, like, like yeah. I I will say I will say this in regards to the Last Jedi. If you haven't figured it out by now, I like movies that are self reflective. Like movies that like are clearly thinking about where they fit into the canon of like of um, not necessarily pop culture, but like that have some intention going in and are thinking about what their place in cinema means. Like that's part of why I like Man with a Movie Camera so much. End of Evangelion is thinking about like what it means to be. Like it, it is reflexively thinking about what it means to even be Evangelion at this point, and like, is it worth continuing this franchise on? Um, Fantasia is very metatextual and is thinking about like, what does it mean to be at the symphony? What is that feeling? And Last Jedi is very much like sitting there thinking like on a different end from like, The Force Awakens is very much thinking about like, what does it mean to be Star Wars? Uh, what it, but in a way that's like, what does it mean to be Star Wars in a way that can be replicable? Uh, and hit all the bu- hit all the buttons everyone thinks the Star Wars should hit. Meanwhile, the Last Jedi is thinking about what does Star Wars mean? 
what is this world? What does it mean to play in this space? And what, like, how can that change going forwards while still keeping certain parts of Star Wars, Star Wars? And the failures, the failures of Rise of Skywalker do not cheapen what The Last Jedi does for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Wait, wait, so you're saying it doesn't cheap... Wait, so you you don't have a problem with, like, what The Rise of Skywalker did? Oh, no, 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 no. Let me be abundantly clear. I, Rise of Skywalker is one of the worst fucking movies I've ever oh, seen. Oh, you're saying it doesn't, it doesn't sour your experience of, of The Last it Jedi. it does okay. not sour my experience of The Last Jedi, because The Last Jedi is thinking about what oh, yeah. Star Wars is as a whole, yeah. whereas Rise of Skywalker is, uh, I don't know, Palpatine. No, it's it, it's interesting for me, because like, I, feel, I feel like the series cuts off for me at Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker yeah, is just a... It's just a but it's just a, it's just something else. It's a, it's it's, yeah. uh, you know, it, uh, uh, in my head canonically, there's a Last Jedi two out there that's yeah. you know is is made in like an alternate universe um, that I'll never get to see, and Rise of Skywalker is just what we ended up with, which is yep. uh, kind of what society is. Hey, we just end up we just end up with things we don't like, and that's correct, that's absolutely, what, yeah, and that's fine. I don't have to. I'm, I'm never going to watch that movie again. I'm never going to no. buy that movie again. Uh, like it's fine. I'm, okay. I'm never watching it again. I think Anyways, I, I think I did buy it for like eight bucks last year, uh, which was those eight dollars uh, too much, my guy. Yeah, I know. Anyway, um, anyway, <laughs> uh, Fellowship of the Ring is your favorite Fellowship. Uh, I mean, favorite Lord of the Rings movie, right? It, we 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 spent. We hours have discussed this. At, we have discussed at this length. at length. Yeah. I, just, I just want to make that if, clear. If you want. If, if you want my opinions on Lord of the Rings, go listen to Going Helms Deep. It's fun. I yell a lot. I talk about modernity. It's fine. <laughs> Just wanted to point that out for anybody who who knows Harrison was on uh, Going Helms Deep uh, and hasn't listened to that show yet. Plus, um, about your number one, and then we'll wrap it up. Mulholland Drive. Yeah, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, Mulholland Drive. Um, I I think the best way for me to talk about Mulholland Drive is to take a step back and talk about. Um, I, and I promise this will lead somewhere. So in high school, <laughs> I've heard that before. In hi- I, 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 I've thought about this a lot. Okay. Um, in high school, my favorite book was heart of darkness, uh, Joseph Conrad's heart of darkness, which eventually gets adapted into apocalypse now, which gets adapted into spec ops, the line, which has been like, is, is a seminal piece of, um, English literature. It's, it's, it, that book is deeply racist. It's also deeply anti-colonialist um but in an extremely racist way um and like the imperialist project is going to fail because of the fact that we are like you're going to get into africa and you're going to go native and you're going to turn into a lesser being because of it and imperialism is going to fail so we should just fucking forget about it and leave heart of darkness is the kind of is a book that every time i read it i got something different out of it and i would revisit it multiple times throughout high school and multiple times throughout undergrad before realizing that like, maybe this isn't what I thought it was initially. Um, but every time I read it, I got something different out of it. Mahone drive is that for me, but in movie form, it is, it is deeply impactful to me. It's deeply troubling. It, it problematizes itself, not calling it problematic. I'm saying like it problematizes the notion of analysis in a way that like any time you try and dig any time I try and dig my my fingers into it and really think about what it's trying to say something else in the movie contradicts that interpretation of it 
it is i'm not going to say it's uninterpretable because nothing is uninterpretable meshes of the afternoon was was uh, is a short is an experimental short film almost designed with the notion that like we're going to try and make something completely uninterpretable and it fails because you were always going to bring something of yourself to any any piece of art and have an interpretation based on that and every time i come back to Mulholland drive i bring something different to it um and i find myself endlessly fascinated and compelled by its depiction of America, its depiction of Hollywood, its depiction of what it means to be like, this is going to sound a bit cliche, but like what it means to be in love. Like, like there's so much of this movie that is complicated and messy, but intentionally. So it's also just this weirdly like it's Lynch. So it's this weird, like, weirdly askew comedy in a way like the first time i sat down i was not expecting fucking billy ray cyrus to show up and throw (sighs) and get like paint thrown on him um it's it's a deeply fucked up movie that is so achingly sincere in everything it's trying to do um it's also pure nightmare fuel for me when the fucking old people come charging out of the box towards like the middle end of this movie it that 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 is shit straight out of my nightmares i hate it and it like i can't look away um the the musical sequence at club silencio reduces me to tears every single time this is the only movie I've managed to watch like since being a child and watching Fantasia that I've been able to sit down and watch three times back to back to back in one go. Granted, that was for a paper I was writing in grad school, but I still think that like it, it deserves to be applauded for the fact that I can watch it. Uh, what is a very long movie three times in rapid succession. Like it, I, I, I don't know how to talk about Mulholland Drive without sounding, sounding hyperbolic. And it is, it by far and away encapsulates everything I love about David Lynch uh, in just the most perfect manner, on top of having just career best performances from everybody involved. It is fucking criminal that Naomi Watts was not nominated for, let alone did not win an Oscar for this movie. Oh yeah. It, downright criminal. She she is one of my favorite actresses and this yeah is one of the reasons why like that that performance I'm still in awe just thinking about it now. Yeah, you talking yeah. about it. It's she goes through so many levels. Um, like figuratively, I think literally too. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 arc of hers is incredible. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I actually don't know what else to say about Mulholland Drive. I, th- I think, I think, I think you've covered it because it's. I, I'm trying to debate to myself like what Lynch I want on my list because I'm one of those assholes who's like you know one one film from one director, right? I, 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 I in my head, I'm like that's the fair way to do it because. I yeah. could possibly have two Coen Brothers movies on there, but I don't want to do that. Um, but Lynch, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I need to re- revisit Mulholland Drive because right now, something like like Lost Highway calls out to me more. I think that's kind of yeah. my my personal uh, mm-hmm. attachment to that movie. But Mulholland Drive, I don't know. I could sit down and watch it now, and then have you know say something completely different. Like, oh yeah, no, Mulholland Drive is definitely superior. Yeah, I, th- I think that's like the case it. for a lot of Lynch yeah. movies. Actually, I could pull yeah. on. Elephant Man kind of, you know, I think would say the same thing after that. Or even, hey, Inland Empire, 
no, I don't. I don't think that one. <laughs> that, one that was that. That was in its own. It's unlistable. That movie. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. But, that's a uh, fucking thing. That's that's something. I, I, I you know, like the yeah. the only I was, time I watched that movie in its entirety was in a theater because I felt like that was the only way I could see that movie without drifting off. Uh, it, it requires a complete attention, and after you see it, you go, okay. I see what you did there, Lynch, or I, I appreciate what you were doing. It's it's one of the most Lynchian things ever, but it's one of those you said earlier. Nothing is um, uh, is uh, uh, you can't. Um, w- 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 nothing is nothing is uninterpretable. Yeah, but that movie, *Inland <laughs> Empire*. I don't know about that movie, um, but yeah, that, that that's why I love the man, and that's why I love Mahan, uh, Mahan Drive. It has all those elements, but Mahan Drive is like maybe his. One of his more accessible in comparison to what he's done, you know, previous and you know after Mahan Drive. Um, there's no, you're not getting any argument here for me, Harrison, about yeah this being your number one. This is you. You got more pushback from me uh, from you not seeing Pennington One. That's the only pushback <laughs> you got from me. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Like if I was if I was being entirely honest with myself, fucking Eraserhead would probably show up somewhere on this list as well. Oh yeah, Eraserhead. Jesus, that movie. God damn. It you know yeah, I yeah. not not to get in like a big tangent, but like Eraserhead to me, like I love seeing that as like okay, that's Lynch's first film. That's his major first statement as a filmmaker. And you get what he is in that first movie. I love when that Absolutely. happens. Like that that happened with the Coen Brothers and Blood Simple. That's kind of why I earlier I said I don't know if I'm going to put two Coen Brothers movies on the list. Maybe it's kind of unfair to other movies, but I could perceive. I a- mean, there's two. There's two Coen Brothers. It only makes sense. <laughs> One for each of them. But Blood yeah. Simple does the same thing. Like Eraserhead, that first movie out. Also, Thief. Thief is another one I love in that realm of like. Thief first, is incredible. First movie. Another out. great criterion. Yeah, out the gate. Hey, they nail it, man. And and you get the sense of what they are and what they do for the rest of their career in that first movie. Yeah. Uh, Eraserhead does. That I will too. say <sighs> not. I will say Thief needs some more new metal. That, that's the one thing it's missing. <laughs> I love. I love that score though. Uh, I want no. Yeah. The score is incredible, but also I want Michael Mann to go back and put Numb Encore somewhere <laughs> in fucking Thief. Oh, put some. Uh, is it Audio Slave? He used to use a lot. I put, think so. Yeah. Put, yeah. put that in there too. Get, get, get that Michael Mann re-edit of Thief. Um, there you go. And on that note, Harrison, thank you. Yeah, this was fun. Of course. This is great. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Always. Any any last words about your list? Uh, is, is there anything you want to touch on before we, we go into plugs? Um, Looking at the list real quick. No, I don't think so. Um, Fucking watch more anime, I guess. <laughs> That's, just, in gen- yeah. just in general. Watch Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer is fun. Demon Slayer is real good. <laughs> That's that's the alpha and omega of this episode is Demon yeah. Slayer. So there watch you go. Demon Slayer. Uh, wh- 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 where is that currently available, Harrison? Do you know? Uh, Demon Demon Slayer is cur- uh, Demon Slayer the, sh- the the first season is currently available on Netflix uh, with the English dub, um, and then Mugen Mugen Train is currently streaming uh, on Funimation as well. There so you. you can you can you can get a hold of them fairly easily. Uh, Evangelion is also on Netflix, but that is way like that is a way more intense watch than I feel comfortable recommending to people just cold. 
Uh, Demon Slayer is pretty great right off the bat. Uh, it's, it's I feel comfortable being like, yeah, you should watch Demon Slayer. Go watch Demon Slayer. There you go. And with that, plugs, Harrison, where can, plugs. People, where can people listening find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at play underscore champion for all my fucking bullshit garbage takes. Uh, apologies for the Final Fantasy fourteen spam, but oh no, this is where I am now. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Talk Film Society doing podcasts and, and shit. Uh, I have a I have a column called Fresh Eyes. I talked about a lot of these movies on Fresh Eyes, on my Fresh Eyes <laughs> column. And every so often I think, should I start writing that again? And then I start and then I stop and then I leave it for six months and I think about it again. So it's in my brain, Marcelo, don't worry. Uh, and then I'm also, as we've mentioned, as I have mentioned on this podcast, uh, we ha- I, have, I have a Lord of the Rings show called Going Helms Deep where we talked about all six Middle Earth films over the course of 18 months. Uh, that's how long it took to record, not release. It's all out there. It's a good time. I win in the end. Spoilers. Wait, what? Um, I don't remember that. Uh, keep going. I, oh, <laughs> I, win, I win in the end. Uh, and then I also have a show with my friend Alex Isaac uh called dream a little deeper where we are going through the walt disney animation studios out uh films in chronological order wa- uh, while also chronicling the history of walt disney animation studios uh and what it basically took to get every movie made we are currently on the longest one month hiatus i've ever been a part of um but hopefully by the time this comes out we will uh be have released if not be about to release our next episode um so that's that's available on a lot of those are both available on pretty much every uh podcast player of choice um go give us a listen uh we are very fun and if you liked my brand of bullshit on this episode there's a lot more of that wherever you can find me there you go. I recommend both those shows, not only because I'm the editor-in-chief of the site that hosts them, but hey, I think they're good. Oh, I was also on y'all's Southland Tales podcast. That's that's going to be a good episode when that comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's coming out. Uh, maybe the time this comes out, around the same yeah, time, if, it'll, 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 it'll be out, too. So If you want to hear me talk in not, exp- not super eloquent terms about Karl Marx and communism, that's the show. That's the, that's the podcast episode to go to. There you go. So stay tuned for that folks. Um, and that's it. Another great that's episode. It. I think, uh, again, I mean, I'm, uh, maybe I'm being biased here, but I'm the host of the show mm-hmm. and I think Harrison was a great guest and this was a great episode. Aww. So thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you. And, as I always like to say at the end of these episodes, here's my catchphrase. Go phrase. Helms Deep in them guts. Nope, that's not it. Uh, I say, <laughs> hey, see you at the movies. Uh, no, I never say that. All right, bye. Oh, I like, the, I like that one, though. That's a good one. I'm never saying that again. Ever again. <laughs> <laughs>